Welcome to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast. My name is Talea Dendi. I am a 10-year cancer thriver, cancer doula, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. This podcast is about sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who made it on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complimentary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Hello and welcome to Navigating Cancer Together. My name is Talea Dindy, and today our very special guest is Diane Austin. Diane is the co-founder and CEO of the startup Coils to Locks, a direct-to-hospital distributor of high-quality coily curly medical wigs for Black women or any woman with highly textured hair. Coils to Locks is at the forefront of addressing an unrecognized healthcare disparity, which impacts Black women or any women with highly textured hair experiencing chemotherapy-related hair loss. There is a lack of coily curly wigs that are available at cancer centers in the U.S. that can be purchased with health insurance reimbursement. Diane is a breast cancer survivor and diversity and inclusion expert turned community activist and entrepreneur. Diane, welcome so much to the show and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Talia. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Why don't we just jump right in, Diane? As I mentioned, you are a cancer survivor yourself. Please Tell us about your cancer journey and what was unique about it. I am a cancer survivor. I'm, I'm at the five-year mark, so that's very exciting because, as you, as, um, you know, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, this, is, this journey can be very scary. And, you know, for me, I, um, I got my diagnosis in 2015 you know, as it's, it was a surprise, of course, it's not, it's nothing that you ever expect. And um, even when I, when I got that notification, um, the nurse practitioner who called me and had done a follow-up biopsy, you know, had indicated that, oh, it's probably going to be nothing because I, you know, on this mammogram journey that, um, you know, I had taken, I, a few years before I, each year I never, everything looked fine every year. So this, this was out of the blue. And so it was caught early, thank goodness, because it was, um, it was the year 2015 was the year when there was a lot of discussion about skipping a year. And I remember Mm -hmm. thinking, yeah, no, I'm not going to skip a year. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm someone who I always go to the dentist. I always get my eyes I checked. I do all of that every year. Yeah, I'm not going to skip a year. And thank goodness I didn't because this was an aggressive form of -hmm. of cancer, but they caught it really early. And so um, I did go through surgery. uh, I'm blessed that 
it was a lumpectomy and not a mastectomy because they did catch it early, but because of the type of cancer that it, it was, um, they wanted to do um, some rounds of chemotherapy and radiation um, after my surgery. And it was through that journey when I was meeting, um, you know, with my oncologist that, you know, I learned all of the scary aspects of, of what will happen during this journey, which um, was um, the weakness, the, mm-hmm. um, you know, just that lack of energy, um, the hair loss, you know, hair on my head and my lashes and my eyebrows, um, the physical changes, um, in addition to the, the, the weakness, which was, you know, the, the my skin, um, turned gray and just darkened mm-hmm. and my, my nails blackened and some of them fell off. And it was just like so many physical changes. Um, I got the diagnosis, um, at a, uh, time that just, you know, I just remember thinking, wow, this is like the, any, I guess, diagnosis like Mm -hmm. this is the worst time. But my daughter, um, my only child was graduating from high school, um, Mm -hmm. two weeks before the diagnosis. And we were planning this huge party for her and my nephew, who was also graduating from high school. And so I decided that I wouldn't share, uh, you know, this diagnosis with um, anyone else other than my partner, because I did not want to put a spoiler on this, um, you know, huge celebration. And so, um, so that complicated things as well. So it it was just really a, a difficult time. She was leaving for college, you know, that year, and I wanted her to focus on her studies and, and not worry about me. But um, it, it was tough, but mm-hmm. I'm, I, I feel blessed that I, I came out on the other side, but it, it, it was a journey that, um, you know, I, I just wasn't expecting. And I, I learned a lot about myself through that process that, you know, I'm a lot stronger, even though I always felt that I was, you know, you know, that strong person, I'm, I'm sort of doing that air quote thing. Um, mm-hmm. but it was a lot stronger than, I even thought I was during this journey. Mm-hmm. That's so true, Diane. You learn so much about yourself and you just see how strong you really are. So mm-hmm. before we move any further, I want to congratulate you on reaching the five-year mark. That is a very important milestone in one's cancer journey. So congratulations Thank on you. that. Yes. Thank you. and. I'm so blessed that um, you, you're doing fine today and you're doing such amazing work to help others. Thank you so, so much. You're welcome. How did your cancer journey impact your life? It really, uh, in actually a number of ways. Um, I think one of the most obvious um, ways is that you recognize what is really important and those things that, you know, used to, irritate me, for example, Um, you know, you realize, yeah, that's not really, it's not a big deal in in the scheme of things. You, you know, I, I think that I always valued, you know, my friendships and my family. Um, But you see those things through a different lens, and you want to make sure that 
um, you are devoting, in, in my case, I wanted to make sure that I was devoting the time and attention and energy to my family and friends um, and, and, you know, recognizing that, you know, tomorrow is not promised. So not putting off those things that are really important. Um, and that's also true in terms of um, my uh, self-care, um, especially early on in that journey, I realized that you know, I needed to slow down, like I was forced to slow down, of course. But as I began to um, come through that long journey of treatment, the chemotherapy and the radiation, also recognizing that self-care was important. So while I was in the middle of that journey, I started um, the process of engaging in integrative therapies that was being offered by my hospital which included for me um, acupuncture. So I was able to get acupuncture while I was being treated for chemotherapy, literally during the treatment. Um, mm. Massage was an option for me while I was being um, infused. Um, they had things like art therapy and other therapies, but I took, I, I was very attracted to acupuncture and it was something that, um, I carried um, with me after, you know, treatment. Like I, I began to recognize how important self-care was and the different forms of self-care. And uh, for me, acupuncture really helped um, me get through a really difficult time physically. Um, so I still had, you know, it, it's not like it eliminated the the tiredness or, you know, prevented my hair from falling out, but it did help me um, be more at peace. And I think it did help with some of the physical symptoms. So for example, like, um, you know, you lose your appetite and mm -hmm. I, I know I did. And, um, but the nausea wasn't there for me because, you know, they would, treat me for in, in terms of, as it relates to acupuncture for mm -hmm. nausea and so it, it seemed to help with that for me it helped me to feel better I got into yoga and started mm -hmm. um, really trying as difficult as it was uh, because I was so exhausted to do um, kundalini yoga mm -hmm. and um, I found that that was very helpful for me. So I learned a lot about myself um, during this as well. That's great. And getting those integrative care therapies is so important um, because like you, I suffered from very bad fatigue and having massage and things like that to just kind of help work through that and figuring out ways to keep moving, even though, you know, I was very fatigued and it's so it's like an oxymoron because you're very tired, but actually physical activity helps combat the fatigue. Absolutely. So, <laughs> and so having those integrative therapies is, is amazing and so important in one's care. You also touched on recognizing what is important. I can relate to that so much because we go throughout life and unknowingly sometimes we let all these little things irritate us but when you have something like cancer staring you in the face you realize 
the things I used to get mad about, that's nothing. Exactly. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and thank you for sharing your experience with those integrative therapies, because that is really important for the, for the listeners to know how those things helped you. And um, if they have them available to them, they can look into um, getting that kind of support as well. Absolutely. I, I found it so beneficial, even, you know, through, you know, the the tiredness and, and some of the other issues to have those things to look forward to, which really helps me um, both physically and mentally is, is important mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. advantage of. Yeah. Absolutely. Diane, you started Coils to Locks a business that was conceived because of your cancer diagnosis. Please tell us more about why you launched that business. Mm-hmm. It was a business, Coils to Locks, that was conceived during my diagnosis. Coils to Locks is currently a, um, we, we're addressing what we found to be a little known healthcare disparity, which is the lack of alternative wig styles other than straight-haired wigs that can be found at um, cancer center boutiques across this country. So when I learned from my oncologist that I would be losing all of my natural hair to chemotherapy, um, he asked me if I wanted a wig. I said, absolutely. And so he gave me a wig prescription called the cranial prosthesis, which many may be familiar with. And he said, I can take this wig prescription to any cancer center boutique in the country, actually, um, that has um, these cancer center retail stores and, and has these wigs. And if I have health insurance that covers the cost of wigs for medical hair loss, I could use it that prescription to support my ability to get reimbursed for these wigs. And I checked with my health insurance provider and they covered the cost of a cranial prosthesis or hair prosthesis for up to $350. So I I went to uh, the cancer center retail store at the hospital where I was treated. I knew that they sold wigs there. When I walked in, they only had straight haired wigs and it had been four or five years since I relaxed or straightened my hair. I knew I did not want a straight haired wig. Mm-hmm. Um, I had thought at the time that I would uh, be working, um, which turns out it, it wasn't, but you know, you want to, mm-hmm. to keep some sense of normalcy. So I knew I didn't want, want to walk in with coily, kinky hair one day and then straight Mm -hmm. hair the next day. I just didn't want to draw that Mm -hmm. attention to myself. (laughs) And so when I saw that the hospital where I was being treated did not have these wigs that were like my hair, I went to several hospitals in the Boston area where where I reside and I found they only had straight haired wigs. And I just... I remember thinking, oh, it's probably just because this is Boston. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was born, I was born and raised in Boston, so I, I can say that. And, <laughs> and I feel comfortable saying that. I was like, well, I'm gonna look outside of Boston. Just I was curious. I knew I wasn't going to travel anywhere, but I just the curiosity got the best of me. Mm-hmm. And one of my sisters, Pamela, 
and I, I enlisted, you know, her help. And we, we started calling around the country. We, we went to U.S. News and World Report, looked up where the top cancer center hospitals were across the country, dug deeper to see which one of, which of those hospitals had these retail stores because many, they, they exist all over the country. And then mm-hmm. we called those cancer center boutiques. And each time we were told, no, we don't sell those types of wigs. We don't sell mm-hmm. them. And so oftentimes they would refer us to their, their um, partners in the medical hair loss space that sold wigs mm-hmm. outside of the hospital that they referred patients to. And none of those places had these wigs. And for me, that was very frustrating. I just couldn't believe that in 2015, that nobody sold these wigs. It just didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, you know, I was so frustrated. And then one day I was, I said to myself, well, instead of being frustrated, do something about it. And that's when, you know, I decided to start a business. It was literally when I decided that I wanted to start a business to address this disparity. And that's how Coils to Locks was born. And um we took the first few years. So from, I was in the middle of chemo treatments when I decided to start this business. And we took the first few years to do some research mm-hmm. in the space in, in terms of um, wig procurement and also just how to start a solid business. And then we launched in 2019, um, late 2019 and, um, not the best time to launch because a few months later there was a pandemic and all of the hospitals shut down. Mm -hmm. So we couldn't even like, you know, um, try to get our wigs in the hospitals, but to, um, as of today's date, we're in 10 hospitals and we are in one, in one medical salon and we're in conversation with several hospitals. And our plan is to expand the business, to make sure that our wigs get in every hospital and every part of this country and ultimately go uh, globally for any woman who is experiencing chemotherapy hair loss and other types of medical hair loss so that they have some alternatives to straight hair wigs. That is wonderful. And I just want to thank you so much for creating this business, for filling this very huge need. Thankfully, I didn't have to shave my hair and I didn't have to wear a wig or choose to wear a wig, but I had looked at them just in case. In in 2011, they definitely didn't have any curly or coily wigs, Diane. So um, if I would have had to wear one, I probably would have chosen not to, because like you said, there was nothing that represented me and what my hair really looked like. So And that's so important, as you said, to be able to keep some form of normalcy, especially if you have to go into the workplace while you're receiving treatment. So this is huge, Diane, very huge. Thank you. Thank you. What surprised you or what aha moments did you encounter as a cancer patient? A few, um, we, we already talked about the, the, the wig piece because mm-hmm. that was like a huge moment, uh, aha <laughs> moment. And even the, even, you know, that I couldn't find it. And even the fact that you could get, um, a prescription for a wig that was just mm-hmm. like, wow, wh- what, you know, it just, it was a new, <laughs> a new space for me. Um, 
but um, just the the physical um, changes and issues that I went through, like I knew that chemotherapy would, you know, be killing the good cells as well as the cancer cells. Um, and the aha moment for me was that chemotherapy is such um, a barbaric form of treatment. Like it, it just really opened my eyes to that. It's sort of, I always equate it to like blood, bloodletting that was done in, I don't know mm -hmm. what century, maybe it's the 17th century, whenever it was done as a way mm -hmm. to cure people um, uh, from illness. Like, you know, they were like um, doing bloodletting and putting leeches on people and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, this to, to have a drug that um, you know, like the only way to potentially fully save someone's life from um, cancer uh, treatments is to put this chemical in someone's body that kills all of your cells, like mm -hmm. attacks both the good and the bad. And then the physical um, ramifications of that was like this aha moment for me. And I, I often like say to people, you know, I'm hoping maybe it's 20 years from now, but years from now, people are going to look back that I pray that there will be like um, improved treatments that don't cause such physical harm to the body um, as a way to, to treat cancer. And the people are going to look back and say, how barbaric was that, that they used to do that? You mean like mm -hmm. pump these chemicals in? So that was a huge um, um, aha moment for me. And um the other was just that I, and I talked about this earlier, that I was a lot stronger than I thought I, that I realized mm -hmm. I could ever be. And I always thought of myself as a strong um, woman and I could, you know, tackle anything. But when you're faced with such a life-saving um, and changing illness, um, the fact that I was able to keep myself together. And, you know, I, I was surprised by that because I don't blame anyone for falling apart from, you know, have, and I had my moments, so I don't want to say that I'm superwoman because I'm, I'm not, but I just remember it upon reflection that I, I tried to be very much a realist through the process. Okay. I have this diagnosis the only thing I can do is just keep moving forward. And it's just a, a mindset that I didn't realize would come out um, during this process. Um, and I think part, a big part of it was, you know, my daughter and not wanting to scare her and wanting her to focus on her education and needing to um, present in a certain way to make sure that she was going to be okay. So those were like some aha moments for me. It's a lot more, but then we'd be here for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you do learn so much on one's cancer journey. You, you learn so much. You talked about the realization of how barbaric chemotherapy is. And mm. I thought the same thing because it was so interesting in my first chemotherapy or infusions session, I should say, it hit me at that moment before, right before it was gonna start, 
I said, you know, I'm going to be killing myself to live. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of what hit me. And for a moment, it was like I shed a tear because I knew that I was going to be different physically, you know, um, you don't become cancer or anything like that, but it does change you in some ways. Mm -hmm. So I really can relate about what you said about the treatment itself. And I had that same realization that, wow, this Mm -hmm. is something that could potentially take my life while trying to save it. So absolutely you're absolutely right mm-hmm. because you're so vulnerable you it kills all of the you know the the white blood cells that fight off infection as an example mm-hmm. so you pretend you are I, I i use you hit the nail on the head you're taking something to save your life that could harm you mm-hmm. could kill you because it could expose you to a, a cold could kill you if you were exposed to a cold and you know you're your antibodies weren't um, where they needed to be to protect you. Mm-hmm. So um, from something that, you know, we took for granted before catching a cold, you don't think about it. But I remember my oncologist saying how important it is not to be around people who are sick, mm-hmm. um, you know, and don't expose, you don't, you know, they recommended not to eat at like, you know, hot and cold buffets where you're like touching germy things and stuff like that. Just things that I took for granted Mm -hmm. um, that I had to really be aware of. And thank God I wasn't going through this during COVID. I mean, it's like a scary thought, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a, a, a drug that can potentially kill you if you're exposed to the wrong um, environment. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a huge risk and, but it's, it's a choice too. And that's one thing that I like people to know is you have the choice mm-hmm. and you get to make that choice with, with whatever you want to decide or do. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was worth the risk. It, it definitely mm-hmm. was. Yes, I agree. I agree. What advice would you give other women experiencing cancer, Diane? I would say as cliche as, as it sounds, um, it's, it would be to really just um, take care of yourself, like put yourself first and also accept help from other people. Because I think oftentimes as women, we wear nurturers, we're caregivers, we don't accept help, but people want to help you, especially those who are closest to you, your family and friends, and even, you know, acquaintances, they want to do something to support you and let them do that. Don't say, Mm -hmm. oh no, I don't need help or I'm okay. I, the way that I was able to do that, for example, it's like people, you know, they were they just wanted to do something for me. So I would schedule people to sit with me during chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had this schedule of like family and friends and there was more people who wanted to sit with me than my treatments that were available, (laughs) thank God. (laughs) But um, I 
you know, I, I was trying to think, I just remember thinking like people, I have to not, and someone gave me that advice. So that's <laughs> advice that I'm sharing because at first it's like, no, no, there's nothing you can do. But I would just let, I would just swallow my pride or whatever it was that would make me say, oh, you know, I'm fine. No, let people help you. If they want to bring you a meal, let them do that. If they want to go with you to treatments or just give you a ride, let them do that. I think that's really important. You're helping yourself and them. I agree. And you're right. So many women and even men struggle with asking for help. Mm-hmm. And I think in the, in the minds of a lot of people, it's like, they don't want to be a burden on anyone. Yes. But yes. Yes. And it's like your friends and your loved ones, they want to show up for you. They just don't know how a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, let them open yourself up to letting them do that. It'll make them feel so much better. And they are supporting you um, and helping to make your life easier so you can focus on getting well. Absolutely. So true. So Diane, what I like to do before I end each podcast is ask every guest two questions. The first question is, what is something that you've learned in life that you would like to share with the listeners? That's a great question. And I would say that I learned that it's okay to be vulnerable. And this connects to what we were just talking about. Um, Because if you accept that, you know, and I'll speak for myself, that I'm not superwoman, I can't do everything myself, it's okay to be vulnerable, then you, you open yourself up for um, help, whether it's either self help, or, you know, other people's um, help and support who, who care for you and want to support you through a difficult time. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's great advice. And Diane, what's next for you and coils to locks? Well, we're, we're on this trajectory where, um, <laughs> which has been really exciting. We have up until this, to this point, uh, Coisalox has been a direct to hospital distributor, but based on the many, many emails that we get from women who have lost their hair due to chemotherapy and quite frankly, for other medical related reasons that have nothing to do with cancer, we are launching an online store where we can sell wigs that are different from the styles that we sell to the hospitals directly to consumers. So that website will be launched, we hope by um, late October, we're in the process mm-hmm. of working on that now. So that's huge for us. And, and, and then in relation to that, one of the things that, um, we hope to add within the next year to that newly launched online store is um, an augmented reality component so that women can try on our wigs virtually and be able to, you know, if you can't get to a hospital or you can't, um, or you just want to get a sense of what these wigs look like, whether you're a, a patient or someone who, or anyone who's just interested in the wigs, um, they'll be able to do that virtually. So we're working on those things. And of course, That's, expanding. That is very exciting and very much needed, especially the online 
giving people that option to just go online, try on a wig virtually, say, hey, I like this one, and then know that their wig is coming to them in the mail or, or however you guys handle that. So that's Absolutely. very exciting. Thank you. Yes, we're really excited about that. So um, that'll be hopefully by late October. It will definitely be this year, though, Great. as long as there's no kinks in the process. <laughs> Great. And it has been such an honor to watch Coils to Locks grow in the fashion that it has. It is filling a huge need. And I'm just so happy that you've been able to come on and share all of the, your wonderful information and reach more people. Um, it's something that people need to know about. And um, thank you for taking a tough time in your life and filling this need for yourself and so many other women. Thank you so much for, for your kind words and for just giving me an opportunity to share my story. And um, one last thing I would like to say is whether you're a man, woman, it doesn't matter. Keep your medical appointments um, in your screenings. It's so critical because you want to be able to um, stay ahead of any issues or problems. In my case, if I had skipped a year in terms of a mammogram, my story would be different. And I may not even be on this show talking mm -hmm. to you because of the type of cancer that I had, but because I stayed on top of those appointments, I was able to, um, you know, I, I strongly feel like I'm, I'm able to be here with you today. So um, mm -hmm. I just wanna share that thought with people. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm so glad too, that you kept your appointments and went to your screenings because it is a blessing to have you here with us today and all of the great work that you're doing for others that are going through a tough time. Before we end today, Diane, if people wanna learn more about you or if they have questions about coils to locks or the wigs, where can they find you? Definitely, um, first of all, through a social media, um, we are on um, Instagram and, and Facebook and as well as LinkedIn. Um, you can just type in coils to locks or coils to locks wigs and we'll, we'll come up, um, or through our website, our email address is info at coils to locks.com. Wonderful. Wonderful. And I will include all of that information in the listen notes so that the audience can go directly to your social media and to your website. Again, Diane, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your story and your wisdom. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for your support and thanks for having me. You're welcome. And before we end today, I'd like to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you for joining us. That's it for this Wednesday. And until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. I hope this episode filled you with hope, inspiration, and information. If you enjoyed the content and found it helpful, please leave a review, rating, and subscribe to the show. It will help others find us so we can share this very important information. Thank you so much for tuning in. I truly appreciate your support and join us for the next episode. Until then, let's keep navigating cancer together. Thank you.